Hey guys, the show is about ready to start, but really quick, I wanted to grab your attention, tell you to have a pencil and paper ready. I have some very important information you're going to want to stick around for after the show regarding updated contact information, websites, and more. Everything's changed. Holy cow. What do I mean? Everything's ready to start. I gotta run. Stick around after the show and I'll get you filled in. Welcome to this podcast. Get ready. Here we go. GOST Radio proudly presents Random Illusions, the podcast where the occult community goes for its listening pleasure. I'm your host, Shasta Ray. Grab a cup of coffee, grab a cup of tea, or grab a glass of wine at the end of a long day if that's what you want to do. Kick back, settle in, and hang out with me for just a little bit while we chat it up about magic. Well, hello, all of you happy campers out there in podcast land. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 45. Oh my gosh, we are just zipping through the year. We're about ready to hit our third season coming up pretty soon. Oh my gosh, this has been quite the adventure. And we're even creating our own traditions here. So, last year for Ouija October... The first episode of November, I kind of gave my story about my use with the Ouija board. Last year was about an intro to the Ouija board. This year, we had the channeling challenge, and we had a lot of fun with that, right? We had a lot of great conversations, a lot of great banter and food for thought. Well, this year, you already know my story. So, the first episode of November, we're going to hold true to our Ouija October follow-up tradition. And since the challenge was all about channeling, we have a natural-born psychic, natural-born shaman. Her name is Mitzi, and we're going to talk to her. She's going to give you some advice on how everybody has their own psychic gifts. A little bit of inspiration, and she was so generous to be on the show. I just want to thank you in advance, Mitzi. Thank you for your time and your expertise and your generosity to be on the show. I do appreciate it. I'm sure all of our listeners do too. And without further ado, I present to you our Zoom conversation with Mitzi Bellavo. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and squirrels, welcome to a very special presentation. I have a very special guest, first time on the podcast. Her name is Mitzi, and we have traveled long and far to find a very professional, long-time, lifetime psychic. Let's have a warm round of applause for Mitzi Bellavo. Hello, and thank you. So, you met Tim through the music circles out there in Minnesota, and then he found out you have some very special gifts once he started talking to you about some stuff, and we've been bantering a little bit. You are multi-generational. You were born into your gifts. Yes, it wasn't unusual in our family to have a psychic, but not everybody in our family are psychic, and I believe that everybody has psychic abilities. My learning and education being a psychic came from both sides of the family. My mother and my grandmother taught me psychic abilities and healing abilities because they were both healers. 
on my dad's side, they were Sami from Finland, so they have a different culture. And um, to them, which is a little unusual in most indigenous cultures, women are leaders. So they were training me to be not only a shaman, but a Sami leader. And right now, all the generational stories that I was taught as a little girl were lost because I was the last one. My dad was almost 60 when he had me. My cousins were all older and they all died off when I was real little. So now the only cousins I have left are second and third and fourth cousins who all are around my age. So now I'm teaching them our our culture. And our story is that where we got our gifts from were the star people. Oh, wow. Yes, we came from the land of the Arctic Circle. We were nomads. We were called the reindeer people. Our people, my dad's clan, were a little bit different. We um, had the contact with um, the entities, and um, we were friends. We exchanged stories, and um, we also moved our reindeer over many different lands, and sometimes there would be skirmishes. And one time, we got into a really bad skirmish. We weren't really warriors back then. We were just regular you know, reindeer herders and healers. And our our French star people intervened and protected us and got us away from that skirmish. And our first true leader was a woman. She was part star person and part our clan. So ever since then, the majority of leaders have been women and women with gifts. Wow. And um, I'm the last one in that line who's been trained. I've been trained through my father's brothers and sisters long time ago back in the 50s and very, very early 60s. And then, my, like I said, my mother's and my um, grandmother. I was two years old. I remember being in the crib, still being in diapers, so um, maybe a little bit less than two. And uh, I could barely stand. But anyway, I'm not sure of the age, but I was in the crib standing, and my mom and grandma would bring people up to me and say, hug these people, they're sick, you need to heal them, heal them with your love. So I would give them hugs and love them and try to heal them because I could feel they were sick. Sometimes I couldn't do it, it made me cry. And um, it didn't last for very long because um, I'm not sure, but I think it was because back in those days, the government were looking for children like me. So I really did know at an early age that that I had gifts. What different types of gifts do you have? Well, as I understand it, with my beliefs, that um, the more gifts you use, and you use in the right way, the more gifts you get. I'm an elder now, so um, I have the psychic gifts, I have the healing gifts. I have all psychic um, gifts where heal, I can see the future, the past, um, I can feel, smell, I can be the person if I'm like looking for a crime, I can be the victim and the perpetrator. Go talk to me. And um, I also have the gift of teaching. I can teach other psychics. Everybody has psychic abilities, but they're all different. And you have to start from the beginning. I learned from my family. And I learned just from meeting other people. Whoever you want to be, be with those kind of people. You don't need to spend money. And um, shaman. I'm also a shaman, but I was born a shaman through my dad's family. That's something you're born with. Never, ever pay someone to be a shaman. 
And being a shaman, you have to sacrifice your life. You have to be a warrior, you have to be a healer, and you have to have a lot of wisdom. And sometimes you're alone as a shaman. There's a lot of joy in being a shaman, but there's a lot of sacrifice. How did your family recognize that you were born this way as a shaman and that you would be this path? Was there anything special or a sign about you when you were young? Yes, my dad's family. It took almost 10 years before my mother and father had a child. And it was my my dad's family that did ceremonies and sacrifices of their own. I don't know how to explain it, but um, they, they did ask our ancestors to help and give a child. And the most precious child was a gifted female shaman. So I was already asked before I was born to be a leader and um, a healer and a shaman to have those gifts. And my mother's family, like I said, my mother, my grandmother, and some of my aunts and uncles already had the gifts. So I'm not sure how they knew that I had it. They just knew. Wow. And you're telling me that you have actually taught various gifts, different classes. You never charged for it. And how long did you do that? And how did you get into the teaching? Um, Everything has just happened. I I never asked for these things. With um, the spiritual community of teaching psychic classes, I've always mentored people. So that's the first thing. When people ask me to help them, if I can help them, I will. But the lady who was teaching classes, the spiritual community, um, she was getting to a time in her life when she wanted to devote most of her time to um, to her business. So um, she asked around and nobody would take the classes. And all of a sudden, several people said, Mitzi, you'd be really great for that. (laughs) I said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And I went on and a lot of people didn't like my style of teaching because I do it in a group setting with through Zoom. And I told everybody, by the end of this, this session, you're all going to be psychics. You're all going to be doing psychic events, you know, for the, for the day, answering, answering psychic questions. So they all doubted. They really did, because there was only one person who was a psychic like myself. So anyway, we started talking, and I would start saying, okay, let's all just take deep breaths, close our eyes, relax. And I said, okay, everybody open their eyes. Anybody have any questions like you would ask for a psychic? Somebody go, yeah, I do, I do. So they would ask the question. They said, okay, let's all try to help her. So I'd have them close their eyes, take a deep breath. And I said, think, what's the first thing that's popping in your mind? So I said, just say it. So one at a time, I had them say, what popped in your mind? And lo and behold, people were going, I thought the same thing. They were interconnecting and didn't know it. <laughs> As a psychic, when you were thinking of spiritual things, you're all connected. Oh, wow. By the end of the first class, they learned everybody is a psychic. Some just have different skills, different levels, and you get more spiritual gifts the more you use them. And I have to interject with this as you do. I used to brag about it. You know what happens when you brag and your ego goes up? They stop. <laughs> So it's kind of like a slap in the face saying, okay, so yeah, I learned a long time ago. The ego's got to go out the window. Yeah, it'll sink you over any area of life, really. Not just that, but I could see how you could get that little warning sign, that little reminder, and that little knock you down to size on the ego. 
So how long did it take for you to kind of figure out what you were doing and how to get back on track once you had that little reminder from the other side? Immediately. <laughs> it humbles you when you're in front of a bunch of people and you think you know it all. And then it comes out, you try to do a reading, you try to do something. Oh, my goodness. It's so humbling when it's all blank. Oh, wow. All these people after you tell them, oh, I can't do it now. Yeah, I don't know what I'm getting. I'm getting nothing. There. And it, you can feel it when you're, I'm a very strong empath. So I can feel someone's feelings miles away, countries away. So you, you can feel it that something's missing, like there's a hole missing. It's a part of you. So, yeah. And how long have you, when did you start doing these classes? How long have you been kind of dabbling in this and mentoring? Well, just during, um, just during COVID. Oh, okay. And then they um, started doing live and chart they wanted me to charge so i said okay somebody else can take over <laughs> uh, not about I, I don't know why but i don't like charging people so for readings i do charge one-on-one i used to do group readings and i'm going to tell you a funny story about that one time i had a man that came in with his wife and he didn't he wasn't a believer and uh, i said well does anyone want to ask a question and i always said at the beginning be careful what you ask for, because sometimes things just blurt out in my mind. <laughs> and it may not be things you want others to hear. So the man says, yeah, I want to know about my grandma. She passed away. How does she feel about how I'm doing? And is she good? Oh, my goodness. Grandma just came through and blurted out he was having an affair um, with his wife's best girlfriend. She even gave him the name. Oh, wow. So she hits him. And, um, oh, my goodness, they both left. They were arguing very loudly. So, and people were going, you know, imagine having it all. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't do very many uh, groups anymore. (laughs) So, yeah, because I didn't like that either. And I was a bearer of the bad news just coming out of my mouth. Sometimes the spirits are so strong that, um, they just use my voice. Right. I've had a guest on, uh, her name's Karen. She's done that before and she's done that on her YouTube. And sometimes when a message comes through, she'll just start talking and it comes through and you can tell it's not her. Her voice changes just enough and the energy changes. You can hear it in past recordings and all sorts of stuff. If you're sensitive to energies, you can start picking up on that when it's someone just talking and when it's, they're channeling something, you can feel it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, um... Let's see, I'm trying to think of other stories. I had um, law enforcement ask me about um, some murders that were up in the area of uh, Lake Michigan, Lake Superior, and around in that area. And they said they couldn't get a psychic to do very good readings. And I said, well, that's why I was born, and that's why I was a psychic near the lake. So um, they, I told them not to give me names and stuff. So, yeah, I got a lot of readings out of um, some of the deaths that were up there. Some were just animals. Um, some were abductions, and I'm also into the UFO group. There were very few that were abducted by entities, and there was a group of people who were sportsmen who were hunting people. And um, to see that and to experience that, like I said, I can be both the victim and the perpetrator. So I get into the body of the victim, smelling, feeling, hearing, experiencing what they're experiencing. And then to get the truth, I look at the perpetrator, what they're feeling, why they're doing what they're doing, what they're 
feeling, what they're experiencing, what they're feeling, all those senses that people have. It takes a lot of energy out of me to do that. I would imagine. That sounds intense. Yes, and I don't recommend it to, to anybody. It's a lot of trauma to try to feel and sense. You really have to separate from it. Yeah, because you're going to experience it. Yeah, to experience it. It's like experiencing the trauma and then doing the other part of of the perpetrator. I mean, that's not a good feeling, but when you're trying to help others, I don't do that very often. So, And then as a child, I remember I asked to have a gift stop. Um, at nighttime, I was sleeping. I woke up and I heard, sounded like a thousand screams and it huge explosion. And the next day on the news, I found out that there was a, a plane that had exploded and killed everybody. And I um, heard that, felt that, felt those people. I know they died within seconds, but when you're feeling that as a child, very traumatic. So I asked for them to uh, give it back to me now that I'm adult and I can put those feelings in check. Wow, that's intense. Looks like Tim just popped in. Hey. Hey, welcome. Welcome to the session. We've just been talking about some of her gifts and some of her background. And uh, yeah, she's she's got some great educational stories and experiences that have been fascinating thus far. So I just got my kids to bed. So, you know, that's that's a big accomplishment. Too. I, I hear giggling. I hear giggling out of your children. <laughs> oh, but I, they are still giggling. I, yeah. Mm hmm. <laughs> Tim and I know each other and we've spoke before, and now I got a connection with him, which means I connect with him at his home. That's so cool. While we're talking about giggles and smiles and stuff and connections that way, and you just talked about a traumatic psychic experience, do you have some joyful, funny anecdotes, positive stuff that you've experienced that can be fun to talk about? I did a party for someone one time. They they had over a hundred people there. The guy had two psychics. I was one of them. We um, each worked in one of the bedrooms in the house. I had people come to me, and I always give people a card and a pen or a pencil to write things down that I say, because I don't always remember them. And I think I told Tim this story. So I'm going through people, and this one lady comes, and I tell her that I don't always know everything that comes up. So if the messages are meant for her, so all of a sudden I come up with, you should have given the monkeys a banana. And <laughs> she's giggling. I have no, re- no reason to understand why. I finished with the session. And I said, what's this thing about the bananas with the monkeys? She said the week before she had been on some island and they warned her, don't tease the monkeys if you're eating bananas. Well, she decided to tease them. She was on a beach with a bikini. They pulled her bikini body and bottom down. <laughs> But I had no idea what bananas and monkeys had to do with her life. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta feed the monkey a banana. One thing that Tim and I have been experiencing over the past year or so that we've been really intensely talking and working together and stuff is we encourage each other. Now, I know you said a little bit ago you don't really have a need for cards and stuff like that. But as kind of the average everyday person that knows they have some gifts, but we don't really know how to develop them. We've been playing with these kinds of tools, these kinds of toys. We take it pretty serious. But in doing so, much like my friend Karen Dahlman has discovered in her 50-some years of experience, the more you mess with stuff like this, the more it does open you up. And like you said, the more you use your gifts and practice, 
the more you develop it. And it's it's a process. It's not instant for people like us that don't just boom right out of the box. We're born with it because of our ancestry or we just happen to have really hardcore strengths. For some reason, those channels are open with some people right when they're born. So everyone has it. What kind of advice do you have for listeners as far as how to pick something that they may want to develop, you know, a different gift? How do they discover what gifts if they don't know? Like, do you have advice on starting the exploration process of being psychic or what works for them? There's a lot of meetup groups that you can go to or YouTube videos you can watch. They're free. I always tell people beware when there's money involved. People can't make you anything. They can't make you a shaman. They can't make you a psychic. You are who you are, and everybody has gifts. Everyone has gifts. Um, Yeah. And then when you find something that you're passionate, what, what you feel passionate about, if you look at the tarot cards you try experiencing, nah, then you know it's not your passion. It's not your gift. If you go somewhere where you're using crystals and you really love crystals, you start buying a lot of crystals, not because somebody's selling them to you, but you like their feeling, you're attracted to them. It's like you're a crow and it's like, ooh, I want to grab that one. That one's so pretty. That's where your gift is, where your passion is. People that have the same passions, they will teach you. You learn from others. You can learn from teachers. It's okay if you want to pay somebody, but don't use all of your hard-earned money. You learn more from the group of people. Very true. A long time ago, I took a very generalized class back when I lived in the Denver area, and I traveled to Boulder for it. There was a a psychic center, and they just had real basic, I think it was like a six-week class once a week or something. They taught us grounding, how to sense energies, how to tune into things we were feeling on a real sensitive level. And it was real basic information. But what was kind of nice is it didn't break the bank. It wasn't like some high dollar class that, you know, it stressed out your budget to take it. And then there was all these people that they let you interact with that were previous students that were developing their skills. And the last night they came in and they had like four or five students that would give each student a personalized reading. And they were surprisingly accurate. So the amount of money I spent was maybe, oh, 65 or $75 back in the day for like a six-week class. But then you ended up with two hours per class, tons of interaction, tons of talking. And then we had social hour afterwards with everybody. So I think there was three teachers and probably eight people in the class, and then they probably brought at least five or six other previous students in on that last night and divided us up different ways. So it was fun. Sounds very informative and a blessing to you. And I haven't really found anything like that since, but I haven't actively looked either. So, but yeah, it's out there. I would su- I would say that, you know, if people wanted something bad enough, they could just do Google searches for their city and area. Bookstores, metaphysical bookstores tend to have things like this sometimes. Yeah, everyone is different. Everyone has different gifts and people use different tools. And different cultures have different do's and don'ts and ways of thinking on it. So that can be brought in also. So like you said, you have ancestry with clans and very specific regional traditions. I don't. I've never really known my ancestry beyond like my grandparents, like what my parents had told me. So I think it's really fascinating when I learn about 
people that come from different areas and what your traditions were, especially the more different it is from what I was ever exposed to. It's how I learn. Yes, I find when I'm reading books, I come across something that I question. So I get another book about the thing I question. And before too long, I have a whole library of books about different books. And then you jump around so much, there's just not enough time in one day to read everything you want to read, especially when you find good stuff. I was going to say, when I came home from Colorado seeing you, Shasta, I carried the stack of books and papers that we had all kind of collected for research. And my kids are like, what's all that? Um, It's Shasta's reading list (laughs) for me. And they were just like, you have to read all those books? It's like, no, I get to read all those books. Yes, and being with like people, what you like to be and what you like to become. Um, people that are not out there with uh, all the fancy clothes and the fancy money. I mean, there are people that are good, but the humble people. And that's how Tim and I met through music. Music is very healing. It is. Find You will find people who are in the, any genre of music and uh, other arts are also sensitive people. And very empathic. Very. I agree. And music tends to span all languages and all cultures. Good music's good music. And it you don't have to be able to speak the same language. I know somebody in Japan that teaches and he even puts on his YouTube channel, you know, if you're ever in my country, you're always welcome to come here. If we don't speak the same language, we'll play music. And that's true. And then on top of that, just a mundane quote that I've always lived by, magic, psychic, anything doesn't matter. It holds true. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And that's by default. So if you're spending time with people that drag you down, uh, you have to really watch that. Spend time with people that are going to reach down and pull you up with them. And we've been experiencing that. We have conversations about it. So we always try to be those people that are pulling people up with us whenever we can. And Mitzi, I think you touched on something else that I don't know if we've talked about it much in the podcast before, but in the community right now, there's a real big focus on practical magic and doing stuff to get stuff. Like it's, it's people are doing a lot of wealth magic and money magic and, and they're trying to, I guess it's, it's like they're always asking for something. And one thing that can be observed is that you, you rarely ever see a rich witch. <laughs> But I don't think that's because the magic doesn't work. I think it's because the farther you get along in your path, the less that stuff matters. And so that's you stop true pursuing it and you start pursuing true. the richness of the spirit. And those things become more important and the material things fall away, which is, I think, by design. I agree with that. I had a friend that used to love going to casinos. She said, Mitzi, come with me. We'll have fun. I had no fun there. There wasn't really good vibes. I know there are a lot of people that go. I don't say anything bad about that. But she said, sit by me, Mitzi, and help me win. <laughs> I can't do that for you, and I will not do that for you. I walked away. That's why she invited me there. Mm. Oh, uh, wow. We're no, lo- we're no longer friends. Did she perceive you as being able to, or was she? did she know something about you? And she was just like, oh, if I get her there, she's going to just go ahead and do this because I'm kind of putting her in a position i think it was both because she's seen some of my gifts she's told people about it and had me doing readings for other people yeah no but i know money comes your way when it's supposed to i'm not going to get involved with that yeah 
And that's each person's endeavor. You know, if that's something that you magically want to pursue or anything, pursue it for yourself, do for yourself. And that goes back to what Tim and I have been trying to do is empower people. Don't lean on other people to do your work for you. That defeats the purpose of connecting with the divine in the first place, no matter what you're asking for. We did a five-hour ritual. We read the entire book of Psalms out loud, which is normally done to petition something you want. And we did it just to say hi to all of the God aspects and angel aspects that are tied to the Psalms. And it was like we were hanging out with a crowd of genuine light. I don't know how they, else to they, say it. They all just they all just kind of showed up. Yeah, you just felt there was a presence there. And it was different than when we've done magic to get a specific result. When you put in a petition to an angel or something for a situation to change. We just did it for the connection of it. And it was it was really unlike anything I've ever done before. With this lady that she was asking for money that really wasn't supposed to come to her. So if you date something that's not supposed to come from you, where is it coming from? Hmm. Kind of like a karma. You're not supposed to get it. You're taking it from somewhere else. So what's the backswing of that? It's not good. It's not good at all. One thing, uh, another guest I've had on, she's actually helped me in the past off the podcast. We had a really long conversation about something once. And I was like, hey, I have a situation. I'm thinking about structuring some magic and petitions for what do you think of this? And she came back and she says, well, you should really consider this and how it would affect this aspect if this happens. And how do you think of it this way as to repercussions this way? And it's really good to always have someone you check in on, even if you're just pondering, oh, maybe something how you're perceiving a situation, this and that, have someone to check in and, and say, hey, you know what? Maybe you're not looking at things the way you should. And maybe you should think of repercussions of what you're going to do. And um, I try to always think of that ever since. And I always have anyway. But you always have to think about who you're going to affect. If you're going to affect one person, how does that apply to everyone in their life? True. Beware of the things you wish you want. Yep. You might get them. I've found out that the less I've been asking for and just asking for knowledge to commune, you're provided for. It happens. They have your back. Trust. Trust is the biggest thing you have to trust. Yeah. You can ask for things. Anybody can ask for things, but um, be careful what you ask for. I always ask for safety because um, after my husband had uh, died, um, people broke into our home and stole some files of mine and sold some stuff of his, but that's a whole other story. Protection's always a good thing to ask for, and that's something you can ask for in abundance, actually. Yeah, it's helped. It's helped even when I was, even in the ICU of COVID, when um, nurses were trying to kill me. I was protected there, and I had a lot of people that prayed for me, my clan brothers and my different elder circles, my shaman circles. I think it's a good time to just mention really quick, I'm going to have a write-up on you in the randomillusions.com website under the friends and family links. You'll have a little space and you've written some books. One of them is Abuse in the ICU. So you've talked about your experiences. It goes outside of the psychic realm of discussion, but it's still very important. And it's something that people don't hear about 
So I encourage anyone, if you're not really aware of things that are going on behind the scenes in everyday mundane situations where we're weak and those around us can take advantage of that situation in the wrong ways, it's a good book to read. Thank you. I have four books, e-books that I've written. If you're a Kindle um, club, um, you can read my books for free. And the last book I wrote about was Having Near-Death Experiences. When I was in the ICU, I almost died three times. Wow. And yes, I had different experiences. You hear about near-death experience. My first one as a child, I was um, in a pool, never had been in a pool. My my brothers and my cousins were walking down on one side. I went on the other side. I'll just jump in. I don't know how to swim, but it'll be the same depth as stairs. No, it was deep and I didn't know how to swim. So I drowned. The normal near-death experience I experienced where I was surrounded by a beautiful white light and there was a voice talking to me saying, it wasn't time for me to be there. I saw all the things that I had done in my life and it was only about six, seven years old. All the good things and positive things I had done, all that affected everybody. And then the negative things, how that impacted people, how they felt. I mean, I got to feel how they felt, what they thought. So when I came back from that, and the voice is telling me a lot of things about what I'm going to be doing in my life, through my whole life, and all the things I'm going to be doing, and all the people I'm going to be meeting. And the voice said, you got to go back now. I said, how am I going to remember all this stuff? The voice said, you'll know when the time comes what to do. So the next thing I see is my body in there doing CPR on it. And then I wake up choking with water. As a young child, I didn't know what that was. Until I was about 21, I saw news program about near-death experience. Wow. But when I was in the ICU, it was totally different. I knew when people were talking to me. I was in a coma for four weeks. That was the time, the first week, where I almost died three times. But um, I knew when people were talking. I heard the nurses talking about, um, I don't want to go into too much detail because it makes me feel really bad, but talking about killing me, telling different body parts. And then... Um, my family were on like an iPad because during COVID and isolation, they couldn't see you. Right. I an iPad and I could hear my children and grandchildren talking to me, but not seeing them. I knew they were talking. And then eventually I, I came out of it. And um, the incidents that happened were the doctor would come in, knock on the door, come in with the nurse, ask me some questions, you know, do the examining of the body, you know, talking to me, taking the blood pressure asking questions. Then he went back out. Then right after, and it was a little bit cloudy, and I thought, well, maybe my eyes, they're fuzzy. I can't see anything very well. It's really unfocused. So they leave and um, knock at the door again, and I thought, well, that's strange. That same doctor and nurse came back in, and I said the same thing. They said the same thing. They did the same thing, but it was really clear this time. I was really confused and kept my mouth shut, and they leave, and I'm really confused used, but I'm still kind of sick. I thought I'll just sleep it off. So a little while later, somebody else comes in and um, they always look at you, take your pressure and take your blood. And it's a little bit foggy. I can't see too well. I'm thinking must be because I'm sick. So they leave. And then a little while later, the same person comes in, does the same thing. They can see clearly that happened all day that day between it was repeating itself, but once in a clear mode and once in a foggy mode. The next day it was less, and by the third day it only happened once. So when I got up out of the hospital, uh, my shaman circle said, 
It was because I was so close to death. I was living in between two dimensions. Hmm. I was in and out. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, having these experiences and having the, well, I guess the, the expertise you've had commuting with ancestors and commuting with the dead, what, what advice could you give to people who haven't made a connection with their ancestors and haven't been, you know, who maybe want to talk to someone on the other side and they've never been able to make it jive? How would you suggest that they help themselves? I have to be in a good attitude and have an honest heart. I tell people to be calm and be at peace, start meditating, and they can get messages through music, through thoughts. Most people think that psychics hear voices, we hear thoughts. They're different kind of thoughts. They just appear out of nowhere. I think I think people are really, there's a lot of people out there who are kind of step-by-step step oriented. So I think it would be helpful to kind of go through what some beginner trying to contact their ancestors, what that might look like. I know it's going to be different for everybody, but like if we give them a framework that they can kind of plug their own stuff in, um, I think they, they would appreciate a how-to. I talked about meditating. Yeah. And the gifts come not through a voice, but from, from a thought. Each, yeah. You know, I'll I'll just step in really quick. Another thing that I've mentioned in the past, there's a book and I, I've gotten partway through and then I'll read partway through and it's an ancestral medicine book on how to heal backwards on your ancestry. And I've also watched a couple random different approaches on YouTube. I don't really have a path, so I kind of take on what works. I think sometimes it may not be as cut and dry for everyone. Like you may be experiencing a voice in your thoughts when maybe different instances will come up or conversation with other relatives and stories presented. They may speak through other relatives. I had that happen too. And I think you have to just kind of keep your heart and mind open for different signs and see what comes up. Well, I think this is good to get out there because I think there's a whole lot of people out there who are, you know, when they think about communication, they're thinking about, all right, I've got my altar with my candles and my photos and maybe some knickknacks on there. And and then when I pray to it, I'm going to get a visible, like, like pop out right in front of them and start talking like we're talking now. I think that's kind of the expectation. So or a variation thereof. Yeah. So when you're saying it's more like you put your thoughts out there and then you wait for an answer to come in over the coming days and it may be nonverbal. There may be situational things that are happening that are the answer. And so I think setting people's expectations is a good good thing to do. I, I think that when I started asking for contact with my ancestors, I didn't really necessarily feel like I was, you know, the thoughts coming in. But then I started realizing things about myself that's helped me advance as, as a person and emotionally and stuff. And it made me realize where some of my old hangups came from. And I think that was an answer to all that requests that I put in, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so you are, what's the name of the tribe you're from? It's um, from the Arctic Circle. It's called Sami. Mm. People spell it S-A-A-M-I-E or S-A-M-I. Oh, okay. I've heard they that. I don't know much about it, but I've heard that. They don't, they don't consider it's themselves from the, um, the... Sweden, Norway, Finland, and parts of Russia. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
because we were nomadic and we um, were mostly known as the reindeer people. But there's different tribes, different clans. Ours was a little bit different because we experienced the star people. Wow. Reindeer were very, well, and still are. They have all different kinds of very unique attributes to adapt to their climate. And then it, they were a very sacred animal traditionally. I hear again, probably still are. But they have unique unique things about them other animals don't have. So, Well, and my, my question may or may not apply. I, I kind of assumed that you were, uh, that you had come from somewhere up in like northern Canada, Arctic Circle. It's the other and side. So, but, um, I know <laughs> in, in Canada more of my psychic abilities than I am in the United States. That's why my I mother's that. My mother's people were Arcadian, not Arcadian, but Arcadian, and they were from the Boston to the St. Lawrence, to the, uh, what they call Newfoundland. They were the first people to be ethnically cleansed before the Native Americans. They came in as European, French Europeans, and that's where some of their gifts came from, the Europe, like Celtic. My mom was also Celtic, so the European cultures, that's where you knew the Canadian. My last name is very famous in Canada from a hockey player, the Bellavo name. And I don't know that I'm I'm related because it's a married name, but um, I am related to some Bellavos. My mother's family married to um, some Bellavos. So, yeah. And then one of my ancestors is Louis Miguel, who was a freedom fighter and the first uh, leader of Montreal, of um, Manitoba. Oh, OK. So I have I have a question for you. Like we've discussed this with other guests, people that we know online. It happens amongst ourselves. Everyone has spirit guides they work with some people call them guardian angels everyone has their own terms do you have specific guides or spirits that you tend to work with on a regular basis in your life or when you do channelings in specific do you have different ones you work with for different purposes what what is it like for you i have my ancestors and those have passed over that i knew and then i do have spirit guides those that are higher level vibrations and my ancestors were star people and uh, I've been very fortunate to see them manifest because they were energy beings. They're very empathic and very empathic language. So those are all my guides. I have a lot of different guides. Plus, physical human beings can also be your guides. Mm-hmm. And speak the truth and teach things to their higher self, their spiritual guides. I look at everything and everyone. Everything is connected. I agree. I guess in closing, I would like to ask, do you feel compelled to have any messages or knowledge that you would like to share with our listener base? Do you have anything coming through? Anything on a personal note from you yourself? Is there anything you would like to conclude with for anyone that hears this episode? Yes, the first couple of words I get is peace and love. Turn off the media. There's so much hate all over the world. Everyone has gifts and talents. I feel there's so many people that need help. Take time to be by yourself. Be at peace. Meditate. Find love and peace within your heart. Thank you. Very great advice. I think everyone should take that to heart. That's probably a lifetime of therapy in two minutes right there. (laughs) You just saved lots of money here on Random Illusions. Oh, my gosh. We're all about self-help, making your life better, making your attitude better, meeting new people and being better for meeting those new people. So thank you so much. And I would like to invite you to be back anytime. If you have anything you ever want to present, talk about, you think is interesting, 
something you see that people are needing. Let's get back together again. I will love to come back again. Thank you. Well, this is what I call the podcast benediction. Keep a smile on your face. Keep a bounce in your step. Keep practicing your magic. And by all means, keep exploring your gifts. Try to look for your gifts. See what you're passionate about. And see what's out there for you. See what jives with your head and makes your heart sing. And with that said, I would guess we'll see you next time. And the last thing we got to say is bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for sticking around after the show. Oh my gosh, so many changes and so many things to tell all of you about. We are officially in rerun mode. What does that mean for you? Well, hey, if you listen on your favorite podcast app, nothing is going to change. You will always be able to go back and listen to your favorite episodes and guest spots anytime you want, just as you always have. Again, nothing will change for those of you that use your favorite podcast app. Next, the website will change a little bit. It will change to www.podpage.com slash random dash illusions, or you can listen directly off the host site, www.randomillusions.buzzsprout.com. Links are now in every episode show notes. Check it out. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash radio. Twitter.com slash GOST radio. If you love YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to the Random Illusions Podcast YouTube channel, the GOST radio YouTube channel, and TikTok. Don't forget to follow us there. Links are down in the show notes. Exclusively for the listener base of Random Illusions, Tim and I are going to continue our coffee.com divinations. Just let us know if you want a rune reading by Tim or a tarot reading by Shasta and what your question is. Give us about two business days and we will respond with a thorough answer to your question, giving you some insight and maybe a little inspiration as well. If you would like to follow Tim and I as we jump into our new leadership roles and all of the new projects we are presenting and working on, don't forget to hit us up. Facebook, privately, Tim Cheesebrow. Shasta Michaels, Random Illusions, or just shoot us an email at magic, M-A-G-I-C-K, at randomillusions.com, and we will send you links as to where you can keep tabs on all of our future endeavors and adventures, and hey, you may want to get involved yourself. You never know. All right, keep your eyes and ears peeled. We will be announcing when we will be back. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.